0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a bitch. But don't be afraid. (laughs) That's why we give you weekend fantasy updates. Woohoo!
1: What's going on, everybody? Happy Saturday morning, and welcome to Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Appreciate you all listening on TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and a variety of terrestrial radio stations around the country. Uh, welcoming in my co-host, George Kurtz. George, how are you, bud?
2: Good morning, Michael. How are you? Been a couple of weeks since we've I'm worked.
1: fired up. I'm pretty fired up. I had a weekend off last week, but uh, I'm excited to be here. A lot to talk about, obviously. Find us on Twitter this morning at FNTSY Radio. George is at George Kurtz. I'm at Mike Blewett. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to talk baseball in the first hour. We're going to do a lot of football today, save the last two hours for that. But want to do a little bit of baseball today because George and I haven't talked since the trade deadline, and, and there's a lot going on. We have three big pitchers that were traded during the trade deadline all going tonight. So that should be pretty interesting. We got Bauer and... Stroman and Greinke, I believe, going tonight. Uh, Those are the three that are coming tonight that are straight off of their uh, team or going to their team debuts. Uh, So, yeah. Greinke is not going tonight. Oh, Sanchez. Sorry. Sanchez is going tonight. That's what I meant. So, Sanchez going tonight. Three guys that were traded, Bauer, Stroman, and Sanchez. Those three all going tonight. But I want to kind of take a few different angles here. I just read an article by Ken Rosenthal. He's talking about how the trade deadline is mirroring what's happening on the field to some extent, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's talk about Bauer first because obviously that happened the day before the trade deadline, that three-team trade, and it was a good lead in your sounder coming into the broadcast because you talked about Bauer and how, yeah, he's a good pitcher, but the Indians do have the makeup to backfill that with young pitching that they have. Additionally, they did a legitimate move on the fly to keep them competitive and not losing a lot. You saw the haul of players that they got. I get that Yasiel Puig is a rental, but you saw they acquired a bunch of players to help them now and down the road. Um, So I'm curious what your... Thoughts on that trade were first, were you surprised that Cincinnati was a part of it? Do you like what the Indians did, being able to get a whole bunch of players back? And like the Reds gave up, they gave up Taylor Trammell, who's their top outfield prospect. Was that the way that you thought the Padres would go? So just would love to hear your angle
2: on that. Real life fantasy, however you want to take it. Well, you, uh, was I surprised the Reds uh, ended up with Bauer? Of course. I think everybody yeah. was. Not so sure that yeah. made a lot of sense. Uh, they're not in contention Same. this year. So Bauer's really only going to try and help you for next year for a playoff push, and I'm not so sure they'll be ready for that either. Now, we all know with Trevor Bauer, a good pitcher. Uh, he's not great. He's not Justin Verlander, Gerrit Cole, someone like that, but he's a, he's a good pitcher. But he's only going to have one year of control next year. Uh, he's, Bauer's already stated multiple times that his plan is to sign one-year deals. And I don't see Cincinnati being the team that outbids everybody for a one year deal. I just don't see it. So Cincinnati has it for one year. I get it. In they'll some ways, that, though, stuff. that
1: may be their only shot, though, George, that it is a one year deal because
2: it, there's I don't no see shot for Cincinnati in the a one year deal. In they'll be bid, deal. Outb- outbid by many teams. They probably many will. Many teams. Cincinnati doesn't will. have the money. But a long term deal, like, they'll definitely be outbid, right? Uh, not necessarily, because long term deals will take less take less than a long-term okay. deal. That's why Bauer wants to go for the one-year deal. He pitches well next year in Cincinnati. All the, uh, every, there's, no, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal because you're active after one year. So every, all the big market teams will love this. Uh, for Bauer, he's right. If he wants to maximize his income, this is the best way to do it. You know The problem is you're taking a huge risk, especially for a pitcher. 'Cause one Matthew his Harvey. career never even got get off the ground because of that, that injury. You never know when it's going to happen, and you're done. So it, it's a risk. But then I was probably also thinking, I've already made a ton of money. Even if I, my career ends tomorrow, I'm okay. You know, so why not go for broke? That sort of thing. So I didn't Plus understand Cincinnati really that. doing this. I don't think it makes a, a whole lot of sense there. Uh the the uh, Padres get uh, Trammell, a player they've loved. For years, they've loved Trammell. They've wanted him. They got him. Uh, came over, uh, Coming up a down year and didn't play that, all that well this year, so his stock was a little low. Padres got him. I like what Cleveland's done. I think you already said it. Yes, losing Bauer hurts, but they're going to get Kluber back. They're going to get Carrasco back. So there's a plus there. you got police sack to be your fifth starter anyway. I understand there's some ifs there. If Kluber comes back and pitches well, if Carrasco comes back and pitches well, but you needed offense, and you got that. Yes, you traded one head case in Battle for another in pre-week, and he's going to get suspended too uh, for every three games. I'm sure that'll be upheld. So that's annoying, but it's not, uh, it's not season-threatening. You're three games behind Minnesota. You're in the wild-card hunt. i like going to make you there. So you're, you're fine. I like what they've done here. They needed offense more than they needed pitching. They, they have the pitching in the system, whether it's on the IL or with police seconds, several other youngsters. They have it to make up for it. And is going to be gone at the next year. And I don't know if you trade them at next year's deadline, you get less because teams only have them for, for two months rather than a year and a half now. So I, I like what yep. Cleveland's done here. I think they traded from a surplus. Plus, hey, Anthony Batwood we'll whipped that ball over the center field fence uh, after the game. during the game Sunday, I think that was the last straw for them. I think they were on the fence literally until he did that, and then that throw over the fence pushed them over that fence.
1: Now, Francona's reaction might be my favorite manager reaction this year, uh, with the possible exception of Aaron Boone getting thrown out, and the whole Savages line, which is obviously hilarious and selling. Tighten your by shit up, thousands. man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but Francona saying, "What the f are you doing?" to Bauer, and Bauer immediately realizing he had made a grave mistake by making his manager look bad, making himself look bad. I don't think he's a bad guy, but as you said, like, just a little bit of a head case. He's not a Carlos Zambrano, but he's not, you know, he's he's a little edgy. And wait till you to see him next year on a Cincinnati team that you're right. Like, I don't really see a big leap. Now, if you want to break down the Reds this year, they're 51 and 57, but they're plus 27 run differential by Pythagorean Uh, Theorem, they could be 57-51, but they're not. So do I think they make it all up next year and are a lock for the wild card? Absolutely not. No way. I think they still got more pieces to go. So uh, I'm with George. I, I didn't really expect them to be in it. I sort of like what the Indians did. They got a bunch of guys. They got Reyes. And last night that lineup did come alive. Puig had a couple of run scoring singles. Reyes, uh, didn't hit last night, but I think they got pieces that clearly anybody can root for and they didn't have to punt on the season. You know, that run that they've made in getting close to the twins has been really interesting. I don't think any of us really anticipated it, but here we are and they're not far behind. So, so that's it on that trade. Um, Bauer is who he is. Is he going to get frustrated down the stretch? Like, if you own Trevor Bauer, is he going to be in a bad headspace? Because, like, soon enough, just if you and I are expecting what happens to happen. Like, by the end of this month, he might be pitching meaningless games. And who knows how he reacts to that, right? I
2: think that's fair. You know, I think that's definitely fair. That it could be uh, pitching meaningless games. I don't know if he'll react bad to it, but that's the problem with Bauer. You just don't know. That's right. You know, a day after he that's was right. traded, he was actually in the stands in Cleveland. Yeah, he's off with a backpack on. Uh, just there, just watching the game. Didn't didn't even report to Cincinnati right away. So that's that's strange in itself. There, so uh, no one knows that's about it. You just don't know. He has uh, done some silly things on the field. He has said some sti- silly things in social media that he really shouldn't be saying. That uh, if he played in a bigger market would have been blown up immensely, but because it's Cleveland, he's—I uh, don't want to say—he's gotten away with it. He has been called out on it, but it hasn't been made as big a story as it would have been. You can look those things up if you want to. Uh, so that's the—you uh, know—about it. It's tough to tell when he's when he's pitching well. He's a very good pitcher. Like I said, he's a tier he two is. guy. You know, but you—he's you know, not always that tier two guy. He, is, like I said, he is a head case. He's a thinker, and sometimes I think he thinks too much.
1: Yeah, there are only three games out right now of Minnesota, two games in front. In the wild card race. So um, next one, Strowman. When did that happen? I'm trying to think now. Dude, I wasn't here last weekend. I feel like that happened Stroman over Strowman happened weekend. Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Sunday. That's right. Uh, I was traveling back from my little baseball weekend. So another weird one. I think everybody, look, everything I've read had people confused. That's just what it comes down to. The Mets are trying to make a push. They're obviously playing better as of late. But still, they're five games back of the wild card. This isn't some crazy run. They got a long way to go just to get there. So, um, I mean, that's where we're at with the Mets. It's confusing. Um, you know, they are 11 games out of first place. We know that's not happening. And there's five games off the wild card. So, they got to play a ton better over the next two months to try to Leapfrog a bunch of teams that we think are already think are better than them, including Milwaukee, Washington, Chicago, St. Louis. That that that's the group that you're chasing. Philly's in there too. So, anyway, do you have any clue what they're trying to think? Like, can you can you find a path to be like, well, this is what I think they're trying to do. It's a rebuild on the fly kind of thing, competitive rebuild, I guess, is what you'd call it. But I don't get it. He's a local. Maybe they were enamored by that.
2: Well, the problem for them is, as you mentioned, they're five games out of the wild card. Uh, behind Arizona, Giants, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and one of the Cubs or Nationals. Now, if you want to eliminate the uh, Diamondbacks, they traded Granky. fine. Giants playing way ab- uh, well above their heads, want to eliminate them, fine. I'm good with that. After that, you tell me they can't make up five games in seven weeks? Well, I think they can. Now, so you look at it that way, I think it's possible they can get in the wild card. I think their rotation yeah. now is the best in baseball. From one to five I'm not even sure There's a close second Houston Houston'd be up there But Houston's very top heavy With their top three After that I'll, I'll take my chances With uh, Sanchez and Miley So with the Mets When you saw the pr- What the price went for Bauer And Granky, Stroman's not Granky, But he is Bauer He's really close to Bauer And the Mets got a major discount Toronto screwed up And they traded Stroman Three days earlier And they screwed up In this deal they did not get a top 100 prospect by anyone's estimation. I mean, look at Baseball America, Prospectus, keep, keep whatever you want to look at. They got two of the Mets' top 10 prospects, but not a top 100 prospect. So Toronto sold light. For whatever reason, they sold light. They must really like Anthony K. Or Simeon Richards, uh, Woods, whatever, uh, SWR. I don't know what the story is. I mean, literally, they must really like those two guys. You know, K has the upside to be a, maybe a number two, number three, and SWR was really just a, a lottery pick. Could be great, could be nothing. So they sold light on Stroman. For whatever reason, they could have gotten more. There were several teams. I mean, three or four teams, the Astros were in on them. The Yankees were in on them. You know, and there were a couple other teams as well. Yet they sold to the Mets light. So it was strange. So I think in some ways the Mets made a good deal here because they got them for cheap. Yeah, you know, they got him for cheap here. They'll get just like Bower, They'll get Strowman for next year too. Strowman's from New York. Matter of fact, he's about yeah. his family is about 15 minutes from me. You know, so he's he's from all Long Island. So that could be good and bad, good or bad. We know that. Stephen Matson too. Amped up when he pitches here. Yeah, uh, Stephen Matson, Smithtown, also up by me, maybe 20 minutes. So uh, interesting. I, I don't really, I don't really nail the Mets for this deal because I think they got, I think they did well in the deal when you when you see really yeah. what else. Well, what Bowen went for, what Greinke went for, the Mets did well. They didn't pay that price, and they got a better pitcher. What I didn't understand was then trading Justin Vargas to your competition for nothing. I totally agree. What is the point? Why not just have arms coming down the stretch? Listen, you put Vargas in the bullpen. or You, you want to trade Vargas to a, you know, an American League team or someone not in the gog that's chasing you? I'm good with that. But why would you trade him to a team that's four games I ahead totally, of you and give them and what and they desperately need?
1: Desperately needed an arm, just innings. It's all they needed, and the Mets gave it to them. And It doesn't mean that the Phillies are definitely going to make the playoffs, but they're desperately searching for Drew Smiley. It was a desperation-only move that they could make because they obviously extended themselves a lot last offseason. I'm not blaming the Phillies for being inactive. But the one thing they needed was an arm, something semi-reliable. And the Mets gave it to them. Of all the teams in Major League Baseball that know, you know what, we should probably have a surplus of arms because you never know what could happen, it's the New York Mets.
2: So Just like, to save I $2 million, million
1: and get a, um, a no him a no a break. I mean, it's it such no the sense. cheap total Mets move. Give me a break. Stop cheaping out. It, it doesn't matter. Like, you're trying to be competitive. It's just the wrong move. Like you said, there's so many other teams you could have gone to. Hell, give them to the Yankees, who I know you hate, but the Yankees need innings. Just give them – send them across the street. But don't give them to the Phillies. And like It throws cold water on the deal that they got for Stroman, which you just nicely surmised. And then – or. Uh, Summarized. Unbelievable. Like my least favorite move, of the whole thing. Makes no sense. And we'll get to the other ones that we like or don't like after this. We'll talk Zach Granke. George doesn't like Aaron Sanchez, but maybe a Houston rebirth. I'll Justin Verlander. We'll talk about that after the break on FND on this one. welcome back to fantasy sports radio network again find us on twitter at fntsy radio you know season-long fantasy football drafts are in full swing we're going to talk a lot about Drafts in the next couple of hours, at uh, starting at 10 uh, and going all the way to 12. They're in full swing, and Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package. It's got the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the entire Internet. Davis Maddock, who we're going to talk to next weekend, and the Roto Experts provide dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL co- draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. So save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. The NFL 365 fantasy football package only at rotoexperts.com. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the Flex Leagues draft, which happened uh, a bunch of our friends in it, including guys from this network, Dane Martinez, and Frank Stample, uh some friends of ours, Scott Engel, Sean, our producer's father, Scott Engel was in that league. Our old friend Jake Seely. So we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but let's get into some of these other truths. We'll do a couple of. We'll just bounce around to a couple of different ones. I mentioned during the break. Well, first of all, you're having a dental issue, is this right?
2: Let me let me tell you George? about my day yesterday. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you okay. about my day. You know, it's Friday. It's you know, really it weird nice because day. I'm going to
1: tell you my story after you tell your story.
2: And uh, first, uh, you know, it's about, about 4.30 in the afternoon, maybe 5 o'clock. Uh, I get a knock on my door. And, uh, you know, your kids are younger than mine, so maybe you'll have to go through this in a few years. But uh, I, it's a parent, you know, a parent of one of my uh, daughter's friends or not friends or whatever. I know that they, they, uh, they've been having some issues for a while for whatever reason. And apparently, I get this thing that my uh, daughter had been sending videos, not nice videos, you know, to uh, their, their daughter. And she gave, she gave, gives me a copy of the video. Uh, don't get where me wrong. The the ages, very, I'm
1: sorry. What are the ages of the children, the children involved?
2: Eight ish. Okay. Nine ish. Teen eight and 10. I don't know okay. if the other daughter is the same age. She could be older. Got She's it. bigger than my daughter, okay. whatever it is. Uh, now the parents yeah. cool, you know, act like a like parent should, you know, act, definitely act like parents should that concern, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, the point is, uh, now, listen, the, uh, the, the other parent didn't realize their daughter was also sending videos to my daughter, you know, but she deleted them, you know, but so, so they couldn't see it. But uh, my oldest told me this was happening. So, yes, the, the videos aren't great. So my daughter uh, really saying if, uh, they, if she put her name on the screen, if this is your name, you're an effing bitch. And when I say effing, my daughter said effing. I'm not saying effing, not right. to say the word. That's what my daughter said, effing, yeah, yeah. effing yeah. bitch. So, uh, no, obviously I'm not happy, and I had to punish her. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's one thing. I've got to act like a parent. Uh, and then I'm um, doing in-game live with uh, Gabe Marenzi, you know, having a good time, uh, didn't my bets. I, I won my parlays, but lost every single every solo bet I made. That's strange. They usually feel the way around. Whatever. So that's not going well. Yankees won. That was good. And then I'm eating some yeah. pistachio nuts probably about 10 – after the show, about 10.30. And uh, I didn't even notice at the time. I noticed about probably about a half hour later that I, I cracked a tooth. I, I mean I, – and I'm not in any pain, by the way. I can still eat, yep. still drink, brush my teeth. No pain. But I cracked a uh, tooth and uh, – and odds are it's in the uh, – I, I put the shells of the pistachio nuts in, uh, in a cup. My wife likes to save them, I guess, to do uh, whatever. I think they're good for the soil or something like that. So my tooth is probably in that cup somewhere. So, uh, yeah, crack the tooth and now I'll have to, uh, have to go to the dentist eventually. So exactly
1: three days ago, I was sitting in the dentist chair because I, too – Cracked a tooth. Last Saturday, I did my baseball weekend. We can talk about that a little bit later. I did my baseball weekend. I played my games. I was done sitting uh, in the dugout watching the championship game in this mini tournament that we play in. And they had little bags of popcorn there. I hadn't really eaten much. So a little bag of popcorn, enjoying myself. It's a few handfuls at most. Um, and I'm eating, and I realize, like, ah, I think I have a popcorn kernel stuck. In my back, uh, left bottom molar. And I'm playing around trying to get it out with my tongue. And I realize after a minute of doing that, like that's pretty sharp. I don't think that's a popcorn kernel. And same as you. Didn't feel it. Didn't hear anything. No crunch. No pain. Uh, Obviously, I swallowed my piece of tooth. So uh, I just cracked a piece of my tooth. But sat in the dentist chair. And if you had the same thing as me, the good news is... It's sort of a miserable 45 minutes, but my tooth is totally fixed. And I'm already, I was eating on it that day. So if you can get to a dentist sometime in the next, you know, 48 hours or so, I think you'll be good, but it's really weird that the same thing happened to you. So, but my dentist told me olive pits, popcorn kernels, they win the battle most of the time. She would probably throw uh pistachio nuts in there as well. So uh, my condolences to your tooth. I wasn't tooth, eating the I'm shells just...
2: though. Pistachio nuts, ugh, yeah. that's annoying.
1: Yeah, that's weird. That's weird but it is what it is. Uh, so sorry you're going through that, but I literally just went through it. Uh, it happened Saturday afternoon. I got it fixed by Wednesday afternoon uh, just because my dentist was out. It would have happened sooner than that. But anyway, uh, that's us uh, old guys uh, complaining about our teeth. So where are we going? You'd mentioned the Yankees last night. Um, obviously a big grand slam out of Gleyber Torres and a good outing from James Paxton. Uh, the Sox – Beat up the Yankees last weekend, then lose that Sunday nighter with Sale on the bump against uh, Herman, and it's been a mess since for them. What's going on there?
2: Yeah, they lost five straight now. You mentioned uh, ever since that loss uh, Sunday night. uh, Losing to Tampa Bay, that hurts. They're chasing Tampa Bay. Lost to the Yankees last night. Sale's back on the mound today. The Yankees play a doubleheader uh, against Boston today. Uh, Funny thing I saw last night, uh, Laura Albanese, who covers the... uh, covers the Yankees for Newsday. And she was in the press box last night. And that game ended in under three hours. Despite they, they scored six runs in the first inning, the game still ended in under three hours. And she said the, uh, the, the best thing she heard in the, club, uh, in the press box was, well, we're going to pay for this tomorrow. And that's what the Yankee uh, Red Sox doubleheader today. You know, a minimum to these six hours of baseball, probably closer to eight today for the Yankees. Uh, but Borsonson, I, I don't want to say they're in trouble. I wouldn't put it that way. But, man, once again, they have to right the ship. They're four games out of a wild card now. Four games out, you know, you're uh, six behind Cleveland, uh, four games behind Tampa. Lose, getting swept by Tampa, mm, not good. Not good at all. So they're still a dangerous team, but, man, this team goes as ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and didn't make any major additions. I'm sorry, Andrew Kasher is not a major addition. and He's been shelled. He's been shelled in every start except for the one against the Yankees. He's made one good start against the Yankees over night. He's been terrible. So uh, Red Sox have some issues, and they got to better put it together real quick.
1: Yeah. Uh, agreed. So it's been a rough week for them. And uh, all I can say is uh, I don't I don't know exactly how that happened. Um, but I think I, uh, a lot of people that have been watching, they got to their season high, 12 games over 500, and then lose the five in a row. I think a lot of people that have been watching the Sox all year realize it's never really been together. I heard one Sox fan, broadcaster, Bill Simmons, was to a podcast. He was almost implying that last year was sort of a lucky run and i never saw it that way i thought they played dominantly all throughout the year yeah granted the bullpen was wasn't something that you were confident in as they got to the postseason but they pitched well that you know that, that can happen and that, that was a dominant team they won 112 games or something last year I Can't even remember the number um but this team just hasn't been able to repeat it i think it's another example of how it's just really difficult to repeat, George. Each team is its own little microcosm, and one player change or attitude change, and you're an entirely different ball team.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I'd say the Red were a lucky team last year. As you mentioned, they won a fast game last Yeah, I never saw it that year. way. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not going that direction either. I think we knew the Sox were going to have problems this year with the bullpen when you didn't resign uh, Craig Grimble, which is fine. Lord knows he's struggling with the Cubs too, but you didn't replace him. He just went with a whole bunch of a mess, Brazier, Barnes, Workman. Well, it was really Brazier and Barnes coming into the season, and so you knew you bullpen was going to have issues. You knew that, you know, for the Red Sox, a team. You know, the Red Sox, uh, big marketing to get cheap with the uh, closer. Now, I understand p- well, why they didn't. They, they didn't want to go that high over the cap. Maybe there's no closer to get. They've got other salary issues they have to worry about. Mookie Betts is, co- uh, is coming up. Bet attendees coming up. J.D. Martinez could opt out. They wanted to re-sign Chris Sale, which looks like a mistake now, which actually most of us thought it was a mistake <laughs> back then, too. So uh, they have salary he really issues has not here. not gone
1: but- well since he signed that deal.
2: No, no, it's actually gone straight downhill. But that, I mean, I just tell you, it's been one thing after another for the Sox here, and getting cheap on the bullpen, on a closer. You know, I don't believe, you know, that you absolutely need an ace closer to win, and I certainly don't believe that your closer should always pitch the ninth inning. I think sometimes games are decided in the sixth and the seventh. I think the Red Sox were thinking that, too. The problem is they don't have anybody in the bullpen. You can get away with that when you have good bullpen arms. They don't have anybody in the bullpen. Literally, there's no one they can and trust. Out like there.
1: relying on native Aldi to to come back and save them is like that's not a plan. That's a hope. And as a friend of mine often says, hope is not a plan. You can't hope for it to be working out. That's not a plan. If you're hoping for something to happen, like it's sort of the way they feel. Uh, the way I feel about the Yankees in some ways. I, you know, we can we can dovetail into this with the Yankees and talking about what their strategy is really at the deadline. They didn't make any moves, but is there a hope? that Batonsas and Severino, and I'll throw Stanton in there on the the lineup side, just come back and are really impactful right away? Like, why would I think that? I have no reason to think that, George. But does Cashman know that they're going to be fine? Or is he just hoping that this could happen? Because if he's hoping that
2: that could happen, then I say he screwed up. It's hard to say he screwed up when you see what the prices were. I, I, I mean, teams great. were certainly teams were certainly uh, holding the Yankees a higher price. They wanted yeah. everything. And listen, for what you saw, what Trevor Bauer went for, you saw Zach Granky went for. Teams were getting that price. Now, Granky was never coming to the Yankees. Had a no trade clause, wouldn't waive it. And the Yankees and Granky years ago had decided, when the last time he was a free agent, that it wouldn't work here. So yeah. it was never even an option for Granky to come here. It wasn't going to happen. Mike Miner apparently All said right. no, too. Minor Tra turned it down as well, so the Yankees' options were limited here, you know. And then, but you look at it this way: Greinke, if Greinke goes to Houston, no matter what, right? That wasn't going to stop. Would it matter who the Yankees acquired? Think about it. They weren't going to get Wheeler or guy Mets won't trade with the Yankees. Stupid, but the Mets won't do it. So who were the Yankees hoping to to get then? Really, who are we hoping to get? That went okay. Put Stroman on the Yankees. Put Bauer on the Yankees. One, you wouldn't get both. One. Does that change anything here? Think about it. Does it really change? Do you feel better about the Yankees' chances with Stroman or Bauer going up against Verlander, Cole, and Granke? No. No. You don't. It doesn't I mean, change yeah, a damn was, thing. So,
1: yeah. So Cashman in the yeah, end the, probably the way, did
2: the right thing by not mortgaging what he did. Now, granted, he's going to yeah, hope but, on a couple of things. You already said it. He's going to hope that Severino comes back and is that ace with fresh arm and all that. Yes, that's a huge hip. That's what he's hoping for. That Paxton, after last night, can be. Why we uh, why the Yankees acquired him to be that number two or close to an ace? Maybe Debbie Garcia, who's he's the prospect the Yankees would not trade. You know, maybe he can pitch in September 2. I don't know if it'll be in a starting role because they have an innings problem, but that maybe he can add a boost as well. But I actually think when you look at it, I think Cameron did the right thing because no matter what starter you were going to put on there, like I said, it, it wasn't going to be no Syndergaard or Wheeler they would never get traded. To the Yankees it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, or grand, Yankees yeah. offered Devy Garcia for Syndergaard, and that's you know it would, never got anywhere. Yeah. So you could put Bauer on the Yankees, you could put Stroman on the Yankees. What the hell yeah. would it change? Yeah, I would say
1: my my approach was this, and this is the question I was asking myself as it got to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I do think, we see this in the NBA with draft picks, and we we certainly see it in MLB with prospects. I think if you have somebody like David Garcia, and George, yes, he's projected to be a very good MLB pitcher. If you have the opportunity to get an established pitcher and put it into your lineup to help you win. Now I'm taking that guy every time over the prospect because we've seen too many guys flame out, not become the guys that we thought they were projected to be and so on. But that being said, the most important question I was asking myself, because it seemed like it was kind of a one man deal when it got down to, it, especially after Stroman got traded. But is Trevor Bauer, the guy that you think is valuable enough to trade that, to trade those prospects and think that you can win right now—that was the hard question, and I think it was a maybe all the way. Um, you couldn't say yes on it. You'd, you'd have to just be a Bauer truther, and I think you and I are not those guys. It doesn't mean we don't think he's good, but we've—I mean—we've gone over it already, and I just don't think it was enough. I, I can't. I'm mean, I'm annoyed that they didn't get better, but I can't. As you said, I think we're sort of in lockstep in saying I'm a little frustrated if the plan was that, well, we were never really going to do anything because we had these guys coming back. But I think he he assessed the market and realized that we're going to overpay for guys that won't necessarily help us win because we can't get cranky. But this ties into the article, the Ken Rosenthal article. And let me just I'll just give you the headline and sort of the the run up to it. Uh, He wrote this just two days ago. A scout put it well last week, saying, quote, the trade deadline is just like the game on the field. Everyone is sitting around waiting for the three-run homer. The game on the field in 2019 from defensive shifts to platoon-based lineups to third time through the order removals of starting pitchers is all about playing the odds. The game off the field with risk-averse, value-obsessed clubs all using the same analytically-driven playbooks in free agency and trades also is becoming little more than a math equation in both aspects the life is getting sucked out of the sport uh there's a quote from the gm of G, uh, blue jays gm ross atkins uh he unwittingly summed up the approach of new age front offices in a conference call with reporters proclaiming that his team series of traits had quote turned 14 years of control into 40 years 42 years of control sorry for screwing that quote up turned 14 years of control into 42 years of control so It is becoming a math equation. I think many people are finding it a little boring, perhaps a little frustrating. There's no gambling. One other GM said that's not much fun to watch when the teams aren't gambling because they're all using the same equations. But the Indians somehow got something out of it. Um, But what are your thoughts on the way Rosenthal sort of framed it? Do you agree? I don't
2: know. I mean, I, uh, I would go in a different direction. I don't know what's it's all about the analytics. I think what it is, it's more social media driven. Everyone's afraid to make a mistake. No one wants to hear everyone well, that's complain. That's terrible. And say, but that's what it is. I mean, these guys, people forget these GMs are regular people. You know, they don't, they don't want to lose their jobs. And they're all afraid of making a mistake. It's like fantasy owners that don't make trades anymore either because they're all afraid of making a mistake. They're all afraid of talk shows yeah. saying, you're an idiot. Yeah, how could you make yeah. this deal? GMs are the same way. It's, it's to a broader extent, but it's, they're the same way. They're afraid of their bosses uh, reacting to it, you know. Whoa, wow. You know, you end up making this deal it didn't work out. You're fired, you know that sort of thing. You know, everyone's afraid of making a mistake. Uh, I, I I agree that no one takes chances anymore. Or at least it's very rare. At least the Reds yeah, did have... do that. They did take. A yeah, chance. But, and and where are we getting on them for it?
1: Because yeah, because I. But it's <laughs> probably more of the fact that. It's probably more the fact that we just didn't – we don't think they've done a good enough job in other areas. but
2: Because but we're saying it doesn't acquire. make sense. It doesn't make sense what they did. Yes, we're getting on them for it. Rightfully so, I, I believe. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. But I, think they, I do think they made a mistake, but that's why. Because the, no matter what you do, you're going to hear it from one side or the other. You're not gonna. You're never gonna make everybody happy. So someone's gonna be complaining here, and I think that's the big issue yeah. here. I think they just afra- everyone's afraid of making a mistake. And on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all these other places blowing up at them.
1: Okay, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the trade deadlines, teams that were active and not so. Yankees, Dodgers, Cardinals, the trades. We'll be right back after the break. It's Mike and George on Weekend at Fantasy Update. back to weekend fantasy update we're here until noon today george and i are Again, george at george kurtz i'm at mike Blewett. uh and then from 12 to 3 george will pick it up with cam stewart uh, on weekend wagers to be going over the games that have already started uh you know one really key uh, point of this article too as we carry it over ken rosenthal's article which you can find on the athletic is he's talking about the economic system and perhaps shaking it up uh because he says while some while some teams are downright afraid to act boldly or heaven heaven forbid with the emotion of a diehard fan they essentially are products of the game's economic system he feels that baseball needs a new economic model in which salaries are higher on the front end of a player's career and not as steep on the back a system in which young players are not so overvalued but if the commissioner's office and players union cannot agree on how to fix the game on the field you should expect them to agree on how to fix the game off it, especially when so many millions are at stake. And one last quote, uh, White Sox GM Rick Hahn said teams are being very critical about their chances to win and the chance to put themselves in a one-game card playoff, despite it being the postseason, might not be a reward worth the risk of giving up some young guys in certain situations. I agree with that completely. I've never been the one to go after that game. There, there was a thought that it worked for a while and made it more exciting because more teams were, quote, in it. But I think after some results that GMs and fans and everybody saw, like the Pirates, killing themselves to turn the organization around, only to get blown out by Madison Bumgarner twice, it didn't really work for them. What was the point? Like, they didn't even get to celebrate in terms of a series. They got blown out in one game twice, and now the team's bottom of the barrel again. So... You, I, I would fi- The first thing I would fix is not make it a one-game. Let's make it a series, three-gamer. Baseball is predicated on three-game series. Give the home team, the home team's the home team. They get all three games. That's what you get for getting the first wild-card position. The second wild-card position, I don't know, try harder in the end. Become the first wild-card team, and you get to host a series. That's That's one minor fix I would do. And I don't think it delays the postseason that much. We're almost getting to November anyway. So what does it matter if, if the season ends on October 29th or November 1st? doesn't matter to me.
2: I, I, I agree with you about the, uh, the one game should be a three game. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. And listen, if you want this, uh, if you want them before November, there's many ways you can do that. All right. Uh, stop giving the extra TV, day, uh, TV days off during the playoffs. It's a joke. Some teams get, some teams get two days off, one day off. Playing, you know, just make yeah. it everything standard. One day off. And let's go. Stop playing the TV. I you mean, know, that's one way of solving it. You can make the season end earlier. You know, if you want to do that, you can play. Uh, I've always been a proponent of. Uh, if you want to make the season end uh, a week earlier? Play a uh, Play seven day-night doubleheaders. Scheduled day-night doubleheaders. You know, it's uh, separate admissions. Say so that nobody's really losing money yet. You lose the parking fee, so maybe that's what you're worried about. But uh, stuff like that. And once again, you can do that, and you can make the season end a week earlier. And so there are, actually, there are many different solutions as far as the schedule is concerned. They just have to want to do them. Uh, but I agree with you, Ivama. Uh, I think certain teams, it is a benefit to, uh, to make the playoffs, to get the evening in the one-game wild card. You know, so it of reinvigorates the fan base, that sort of thing. So I understand that. But for other teams, it makes little sense. And you're not going to give up a top project of, to oh, you can win the one game. You mentioned, if you're a team like Pittsburgh, where you're going up against a certain team, oh, you know, we make it, we're get it to that team and that pitcher. Odds are, we're losing that day anyway. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I would agree. I like the idea of three-game. I don't really have an issue with the three-game in, in the one ballpark. I don't think that'll fly, mind you. I think they'll want to have one game. I think it'll be one game in the other ballpark, and then the last two at home. That's what I would assume I'll, I'll open to they'll
1: that. do. I'm open to that. Yeah. But I would say maybe it incentivize for, for somebody.
2: Yeah. They, they, they're going to want yeah. Both, yeah. both sides to make money there. So I think that's what they'll do there. Fair. Uh, Fair. But, uh, you know— as far as changing the the economic system the way Rosenthal was thinking, no, everyone's making too much money. They're not going to do that. You know, they're just yeah. not. I think they need to change things within the system. You know, to make it uh, where the lower market teams spend money. All these teams make money, and it's just a no matter of how much money they make or how much money they want to make. But every team makes money. Don't kid yourself. I they mean, spend I less it money teams, as a
1: percentage of their revenue now than they did 15 years ago.
2: Yeah, because the, the owners want
1: to make money. And then the Mets are cheap.
2: They want to make more and more money.
1: Right. The the Mets are cheap, but there are some metrics that tell you the Mets spend a higher percentage of their revenue on the team than do the Yankees. Now, it doesn't all come out in the wash like that, but uh, I I think you and I both know the Yankees have plenty of money to, to get up to and over the luxury tax. They've just imposed this barrier on themselves that they feel they need to adhere to now. If the old man was still alive, I think we know Yankees would crest that luxury tax to win. That's one thing you couldn't complain about with Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner, is that he didn't really care when it came down to it. He made plenty of money and he knew it and put a little extra into the team. But I don't, I don't want to go down that road because it's that's that's an old Yankee argument and uh, whatever. So um, it's a really interesting article. We don't have to keep belaboring it, but I suggest you read it. and It's really interesting because I, I, think, I think there's some merit to it. I, I think teams are being – a little too conservative we see baseball on the field a little bit like that analytically driven and teams are really clocking their baseball america rankings more than they are actually worrying about how good what kind of a chance the team has to to win um and I, i think george is right you could call me a hypocrite because i'm i'm beating up the reds a little bit for trevor bauer i don't think it's a terrible move it just doesn't quite make sense to me and they gave up a big prospect for it um, but that's what Trevor Bauer costs, so uh, so be it. All right, how about some of the other moves? Um, you know, a couple of teams, he even mentions in here, a couple of teams weren't able to get it. The Angels were looking around for a starter. They couldn't get it. Um, Yankees, obviously, Cardinals and Dodgers stayed put. I, I, I try to look. Now, look, the Yankees are having some issues right now, and the Dodgers are running away with it, but everybody's looking at who pitches in front of Kenley Jansen. At the same time... You have to take it in its totality and exactly, you know, what these teams have done over the course of the last 12 months. I don't want to grade them just on the basis of the deadline. So how about the other ones? What do you think of the cranky move? Clearly, it puts the Astros in the driver's seat in the American League when we get to October. Um, Do you think they gave up too much? Because there's a lot left there. Deferred money and everything else.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, that's a whopper of a contract you are taking on. Even with the money they got in return, they're paying about fifty million, give or take, uh, over the next two and a half years or two and uh, one third years. So that's a lot. It uh, almost and this is the negative side. It almost surely means they will not resign Garrett Cole in the off season. You know, yeah. he, he's going to go bye bye because he's going to make probably about the same what Granky's making now. That's thirty million but, a year. But I think they so knew they, that, was, right? they know. I think that. they. Ass- I think they assumed it.
1: Because you know, Correa hasn't assumed been paid it. yet. Correa hasn't been paid. Bregman's been paid. Altuve's paid. Obviously, Verlander gets what he gets. The way I looked at it, I started looking around at salaries. They're paying Granky for the next two, and they have to pay the deferred money too, right? Which goes until like
2: 2024, 26, something like that. I assume they have yeah, to pay the, that. They took on a whopper. Whopper of a contract. I mean, uh, but they listen. They they went for broke, you know. That they so they can win this
1: year, and they basically trade Granky for Cole for next year and the year after. That's the way I looked at it, because Cole probably gets a a legitimately big deal, right? A a Corbin esque deal. Let's just put him in that range, right? Oh, he'll
2: he'll do much better. He'll do much better. I
1: I agree. I agree. I'm just you know just throwing out just something to baseline it, but. Then they know they're they're committed and they haven't paid Correa yet, and I just think it starts to get, I think it starts to get a little crazy for them, and I I understood it, I understood it, but do you think they gave up too much in return as far as the prospects are concerned?
2: Well, I don't think that's a question you can answer. Where where do they go? Do they win the World Series? Right. I mean, uh, this is a monster team. I mean, I uh, they were they were damn good. They were the, my favorite anyway. Before but Now, Same. I mean, wow. Uh, I don't know how anybody in the American League is going to beat this team. They can hit and they can pitch. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ver- Verlander, Cole, Granke, good luck with that. And I saw a five-game, seven-game series. I mean, good luck to anybody we trying We all to know beat
1: anything that. can happen. I don't want people tweeting at us or calling me like, hey, anything can happen. We don't. I, I get it. We George and I both Thanks. know anything can happen. But you just look on paper, and that's really difficult to navigate. And as the Yankees fans, who have been at times the best team in the league, they can't beat Verlander right now. So it's even more daunting.
2: Yankees can't beat Verlander. They really haven't faced Cole all that much. They've gotten lucky as yeah. far as uh, every time the Astros play the Yankees. Cole seems to be missing from those three games. Uh, the Yankees missed him in the rotation, so they're lucky there. And we saw what Granke did to the Yankees on uh, on Wednesday. Right, he had a great start. The Yankees were lucky that uh, the rain came. Uh, Grant got pulled out, and then the Yankees beat the bullpen. So uh, it's it certainly wouldn't be fun. And the Yankees, Yankees and Astros look like they could be uh, heading for a collision course at some point. Keep in mind, if Minnesota wins that, uh, ends up winning the uh, Central and has the best record, which they're right there with the Yankees. the Yankees play Houston first round. <laughs> You're not going to face a pitcher other than Verlander. Cole what a dud! And Granky. What a dud of I a mean, first round. Right. What a dud of a season what that a,
1: would be. They'll rip off a hundred games again, and they'll be out in four days.
2: It it, it would yeah. suck. I mean, it would be really, it'd be really, uh, as a Yankee fan, it'd be depressing. But you're up, you're up a super team right now, right now. I mean, it's it's looking like Houston and the Dodgers. Uh, yes, and we know anything can happen. You know, weird bounces here, weird bounces there. Injuries can happen as well. They got two months to go, and the Yankees know all about injuries. But the Yankees uh, would, be, would be in some trouble here. That's why I don't think it would have mattered to acquire Bauer, to acquire Strowman. I mean, it gives you a better chance to beat one of those two. They could pitch a gem that day. Robbie Ray. But
1: I thought the Robbie yeah. Ray Robbie thing Ray. might happen as it got late.
2: Yeah, I, thought, I thought Ray might happen as well. But it seemed like, uh, and the Astros said this, by the way, they sort of knew. Well, if we're in on Granky, we're talking to Granky. Odds are they're not trading Ray anybody because it's hard to, hard to deal two top guys at once. You know, cause you, you know they're already talking to us. Who's talk to, who would be talking to the Yankees about Ray? Probably nobody, because they're working on this deal. So that uh, I think there was some uh, strategy there as well. That even if they didn't get the deal done, well, we we're pretty sure Rays not going anywhere either, because they're talking to us right now. So it's interesting there how that worked out. Uh, but like I said, I think uh, I think Houston did the right thing. Mm. If they win the World Series, yes. If they don't, no. Because uh, in in a vacuum, I'd have rather gone hard at re-signing Cole than having Granky. Once again, Cole's much younger. Granky's thirty-five. Uh, but that being said. It also makes you wonder if the Astros knew that Cole's not coming back. A, he's too much money, or B, uh, he's going to get a bigger, better offer elsewhere. Whatever it might be, I wonder if they knew the that. Yanks, that either way, you think
1: the Yanks are, are like all in on Cole?
2: I'd be shocked they're up on Cole, uh, unless unless Hal's not going to open up the purse strings. I would be super, I'd be shocked. You think about it, they wanted Cole when he got traded from uh Pittsburgh. I really wanted him when
1: they traded him. And I, I like up. he's been a darling of the fantasy community and analytics guys and everything else for a while and it didn't for a minute there, it looked in Pittsburgh like it might not happen and then he found himself in the right spot and boom. I really wanted him uh during that trade deadline deal last time around uh but just going to have to wait for free agency and a massive overpay but it's not an overpay if he helps you win the world series the way i look at it so um anyway uh i I, last thing i want to ask you before uh we get out of this hour we got a few minutes left is so my fantasy team was impacted as were many of yours i'm sure uh, because we had guys moving around now i've been saying for months that I know Shane Green's not going to be a Tiger by the end of the year. I'll just scoop up the saves as long as I can get him, and hopefully he'll be in a uh, role where he picks up a few holds and I can deal with it. So my league that I'm in, It saves plus holds is the category. But uh, I got lucky. He went to Atlanta, so he's installed as the closer. Uh, other guys, Ronas Elias goes to the Nationals, who, traded, who remade an entire bullpen. Uh, he won't be getting his saves anymore, but uh, he'll be in a hold role. He's got a couple this week. So uh, thoughts in general about teams that did a really good – Washington remade the whole thing. Thoughts in general about teams that, since you do a closer report, guys that moved, who you think improved their bullpen the most.
2: Well, Atlanta certainly improved. I mean, first they acquired Chris Martin. I we mean, uh, if you're Luke Jackson, you're like, oh, God, Chris Martin might take over the role or split the role. And then they, then they get Shane Green. Well, no doubt now, Shane Green is your closer there. So if you're a Luke Jackson guy, it's funny. It's Shane Green, you're, you're thrilled, right? Happy. You look, Jackson, well, not so much. You just lost your saves there, and that's sort of, uh, you know, it's annoying. Uh, Colorado made a change this week as well, by the way. They finally took Wade Davis out and put Oberg in. Not a trade, but it happened. Arizona did the same thing. Archie Bradley's in for Greg Holland, as that wasn't going well. Joe Jimenez now will pick up saves in Detroit. I don't know. They might win three games the rest of the season, so you might be get one yeah. save. Good luck there. Uh, other guys that we saw there. Uh, Miami traded Sergio Romo to Minnesota. Romo's sort of going to split that row with Taylor Rogers. I think I'd rather have Rogers than Romo, but Romo— got and he got the save last night. He'll get a smattering of saves. Yeah, Miami, best guess is Jose Kiata is your closing there, but that's still up in the air. Once again, a team that's not going to garner a whole lot of saves anyway uh, when you think about it. And you said Seattle, uh, they trade uh, Rom- Roman Elias Got hurt last night. Uh, they think it's just cramps, by the way. But uh, Romano Elias to Washington, not going to close there. Anthony Bass is likely your guy in Seattle, but once again, terrible team. How many saves can you possibly look to uh, acquire there? Corey Gearing could still be in play there as well. Texas, uh, Sean Kelly could be back almost any day now. Jose LeClerc is back as the closer, but man, he wasn't anything comfortable last night. It wasn't anything. He got the save last night, but it wasn't pretty. He's just having all sorts of uh, trouble in Who that, that? inning that, role. Jose LeClerc.
1: Okay. Um Another big pickup for those of you out there, depending on the size of your league. Wade Davis removed from the closer role in Colorado. It's about time. He got annihilated again earlier this week. Scott Oberg comes into the closer role, so that was announced yesterday. I think it's an important pickup for those of you that might need saves. You do know I not said that. Not a great that, team. Right? What? You're not you paying did?
2: attention to me, Mike. I am. Like I'm the writing down thing all these I games. said. Damn it. It's, right before I told the Holland and Bradley, Oberg Sorry. replaced Wade Davis. You know, Sorry. Sorry. no one cares. Well, I, I, no well, but, well, I should say like I'm kids? highlighting it.
1: I'm highlighting it. I'm highlighting what an important pickup it could be. I've been holding on to Oberg for like a mu- month and a half <laughs> waiting for this to happen. So well, They should have uh, made that move a long remember. time ago. A long time ago. He's been awful. He's been awful the whole year. It's really weird, but is this, we've seen this happen with Cole. It's cool he makes um, money,
2: so they kept giving chance after chance after chance. True. True.
1: And, man, I had one more thing I was going to close out with, and I completely forgot it. That's a bummer. Well, anyway, uh, nice job with the closer report. I really had another note there, but I was writing down so many names uh, for you. Well, let's see if I can remember it uh, on the way out. Uh, so that's the deal. Scott Oberg. There you go. Elias and Marquez, I had both guys on my team, both removed to, like, full from full body cramps. Weird thing. David Dahl had a bad ankle injury last night. He was emotional getting carted off the field. They're saying it's a sprained ankle, but it looked like a lot worse than that to me. So, come back. It's football. Next. We're doing NFC West today. it will be fun. Jimmy G, handsome. But is he any good? George will tell you after this.